0: Shalom, friends, and thank you for joining me here in Israel as we continue our series on Hanukkah, also known as the Festival of Lights. Last week, we talked about the lesser-known miracle of Hanukkah. We learned about the tiny band of men called the Maccabees who took on the greatest army in the world, fighting in God's name and won. This week, we're going to talk about the second miracle of Hanukkah that is perhaps more familiar to you, and that. Is the miracle of the oil. As we go deeper into these miracles that occurred thousands of years ago, we'll also discover how to see the many miracles that occur in our own lives. What do these miracles look like, and why does God bless us with them? The holiday season is well underway for both Christians and Jews, and many of you probably have already put up your Christmas tree and decorated around your house. Everything starts to feel like Christmas, and you can feel the spirit of the season shining on you. It's the same at my house. We all love being home on Hanukkah. The Hanukkah candles fill my whole house with the light and the joy of the season. And when we all light our menorahs, the nine-branched candelabra that Jews light on Hanukkah, we can feel our house transform into a miracle itself. In my home, every member of my family lights their very own menorah, from my husband and me all the way down to our seven-year-old son, Shimmy. We place our menorahs in our front window facing out, and once our menorahs are lit, we all go outside together and watch my husband, Amichai, light his large menorah outside in front of our house. So that means that we have five menorahs that are lit inside of our house right by a window so they're still shining their light outside. And one big menorah that's lit even outside of our house, outside of the gate, right next to the street so that there's light coming out of every part of our house. Every night of Hanukkah, we take the candle from the tallest branch called the shamish, the helper candle, And with that helper candle, the shamish, we light the candles on the other branches. On the first night of Hanukkah, we light one candle. On the second night, two candles, and so on. Every night of Hanukkah, we light one more candle than the night before, and we bring more light into the world. After all the candles are lit, we stand there, basking in the Hanukkah light, as we say the blessings over the menorah and sing the Hanukkah songs together. Because we are commanded to light our menorahs as dusk falls, we often catch our neighbors across the street or next door lighting their menorahs as well. And together, we sing. We sing a beautiful chorus which fills our whole street with the spirit and miracle and blessings of Hanukkah. It's at these moments, in Israel specifically, when everyone is bringing down the light of Hanukkah together. That I feel the miracle of the light shining both into our house and shining from Israel, from our house out to the entire world. So, what exactly is a miracle? Well, according to Jewish tradition, there are two types of miracles. The first kind are called open miracles, and the second kind are called hidden miracles. You can probably guess the difference between open miracles and hidden miracles. It's quite clear. And I think we've all had some of each in our own lives. An open miracle is one that is beyond nature, or you might say supernatural. You can clearly understand that God intervened and you can see his hand in the events that unfolded. An example of this from the Bible is God calling out to Moses from the burning bush. In nature... Burning bushes don't talk, right? Or another might be the miraculous splitting of the sea, which allowed Moses and the children of God to walk through the sea and escape the Egyptians during the Exodus. Clearly, that was a miracle, a revealed, open miracle. And some miracles are hidden miracles. God does extraordinary things for his children on a daily basis, only sometimes we don't know or can't see them. In the Bible, the story of Balak, the Moabite king, and Balaam, the sorcerer, from Numbers 23, is a wonderful example of God's hidden miracles. If you remember, King Balak wanted the Israelites destroyed and had hired Balaam to curse the nation of Israel. But each time Balaam opened his mouth to curse Israel, God intervened miraculously and only blessings came out. Yet, the Israelites were completely unaware of both the danger that they were in and also of God's miraculous salvation for them. Now, for the Israelites, that was a hidden miracle. How many times a day does God save us from disaster or cause things to come together for the good? Unlike nature, these miracles are extraordinary, requiring divine intervention only we don't see them as such. I recognize these types of miracles in my daily morning prayers, in which I thank God, as I say every morning, for your miracles that are with us every day and for your wonders and favors in every season, evening, morning, and afternoon. It's very cool that the Hanukkah story has both open and hidden types of miracles. We're celebrating both on Hanukkah. The Maccabees defeating the Greek army was more of a hidden miracle. Some people try to explain their unlikely victory by saying it was their guerrilla warfare tactics or that the Maccabees were fighting on their own turf, that this was just a natural thing that happened, that the tiny group of Maccabees defeated this huge Greek army. But when you consider it, that this tiny group of untrained men defeated trained soldiers that outnumbered them sometimes 20 to 1, it's hard to come to any other conclusion that this was a hidden miracle of God. What is the other miracle of Hanukkah, though? The open miracle. A hidden miracle could be explained by nature. An open miracle can't. If you would go up to someone and say, why did you celebrate Hanukkah? In Israel at least most people will tell you this story. They would say that the Maccabees led by the priest Matisiyahu, or in English Mattathias and his sons had just finished 3 years of fighting the Greek army. Their tiny group of priests and farmers had won battle after battle calling out Mi the verse directly from the Bible. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? This is from Exodus 15:11. They yelled this out in battle until they had driven out their enemies and retaken Jerusalem. After defeating the Greeks, the first thing that matthias and his sons did was to clean up the temple and make it ready to begin daily sacrifices to the Lord. Once they were finished with that job, the plan was to rededicate the temple. In fact, one of the meanings of the word Hanukkah is Dedication. And that is why it is called the Feast of Dedication in John 10, when Jesus celebrated it. Part of that process in getting the temple ready for rededication was to clean the seven-branch menorah that stood in the courtyard of the temple. As God has commanded the children of Israel, the menorah was to be lit with only the purest of olive oils, so pure and clear that the process to clarify it took eight days. They searched high and low in the nearly destroyed temple before discovering one small flask of olive oil, which was still sealed, and it had enough oil in it for only one single day. They had a decision here. They could wait the eight days until more pure olive oil came to the temple in Jerusalem, and until then, the menorah would stand empty without any light. Or... They were able to just take this little bit of oil that would only last for one single day. And so they decided to take a leap of faith. They decided not to wait. And they decided to go on faith. They lit the menorah with the tiny little bit of olive oil they had that would last for one day. Now, I believe and I see in the stories of the Bible that God loves and rewards those who do his work with faith and obedience. And I think because they did this, because they lit that menorah with a little bit of olive oil that they had, even though they thought it would go out after a day, God did a miracle for this group of faithful men. That's the miracle of Hanukkah that this little flask with only enough oil in it for one day actually miraculously lasted eight full days and nights until the new pure olive oil was brought. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the joy that this miracle was to the Maccabees after all that they had gone through? fighting for years, sure that they would lose, but fighting in the name of God with the faith that God would come through for them. God comes through, they get to Jerusalem, they get back to the temple, they find it ransacked and they wanna light the menorah to rededicate it, but there's no oil left. They find a tiny drop of oil, they light the menorah and this is God's way of saying, well done, well done. Done, you faithful servants. He kept that tiny drop of olive oil burning for eight full days. Now, I want to ask you a question that so many Jews have asked before when they hear this story. Why do we celebrate for eight days and not seven days? Yes, the oil burned for eight days, but there was enough oil for the first day. That's not a miracle. The miracle were the seven additional days that it burned for. Now, some answer that finding the oil in and of itself that even lasted for that first day was a miracle. And yes, the temple was in complete shambles. Finding that flask of oil was definitely miraculous. But I also think the reason why we celebrate the miracle from the first day is to recognize that the Maccabees lit that first candle, that first light, not knowing if it would burn until they could get more oil. They lit the menorah even though they knew that the oil would burn out. They lit the menorah because they had faith in the Lord. The miracle of the first day is a miracle of their faith. And this miracle of the light lasting beyond what was expected is like the miracle of sharing our faith. The miracle of never giving up hope. The miracle of inspiring others. If you look at a candlelight, it's one of the few, if not the only thing in this world, that doesn't diminish as you share yours. You take a candle and you can use that tiny little flame on your candle to light thousands of other candles without your original flame not diminishing at all. In fact, it only grows stronger as it spreads. Normally, if you give somebody something of what you have, it means that you're lacking what you gave them. Well, not with the candlelight and not with God's miracles. Sharing the miracles of light and faith is what Hanukkah is all about. It's the reason that we light our menorahs in our front windows or outside the home so that the light of these miracles can shine out to the world. We read in Psalm 9, 1, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. God commands us to tell others of his wonderful deeds, to let others know that he has performed miracles. That makes them believe and know that he could do it for them as well if they just take that first step. On Chanukah, we have a very special commandment, which is called Pursume Nisa, which means publicizing the miracle. God doesn't just want us to light the Hanukkah candles inside of our house without anyone knowing or seeing. No, God wants us to let everyone know that he performed miracles for those who follow him. And what it represents that we're still lighting the candles today of the menorah is that he continues to provide miracles and perform miracles for us today as well. This commandment of pirsume nisa, spreading the miracle, publicizing the miracle, isn't a commandment for every holiday. Lots of Jewish holidays commemorate miracles done to the Jewish people, but it's only on Hanukkah that we're commanded to publicize the miracle of the holiday. And it should get us all asking, why? Why does God want us specifically to publicize miracles? I know when I hear great news or see something amazing, I can't wait to call up a friend and share the story with them. And when it's so clear that God saved us, All we want to do, all we should want to do is to tell the world, hey, you'll never believe what happened to us. You know, today, when a miracle happens, we might go on social media and post it. We might call our husband or wife and tell them, well, this holiday of Hanukkah is the original public post telling the world the miracle that God did for us, and it was so effective that we continue to do it today, thousands of years later. We light our menorahs outside of our homes in order to say that, to say to the world, God did a miracle for us. This is the physical embodiment of the commandment, Nisa," publicizing the miracle. We're telling the world, By lighting our menorahs proudly in the window and outside, that God performed amazing miracles for us and our people. And he still performs miracle in today's times, though our miracles today can look a little bit different. So what does a miracle look like today? Sometimes it's a hidden miracle, an everyday miracle, that you could say is a coincidence or nature. For example, my friend and her husband couldn't go to a concert one evening, so they canceled the babysitter and they ended up staying home. That night, her daughter had an asthma attack for the first time ever, and it was a major attack. Her daughter basically stopped breathing. Now, thankfully, miraculously you could say, my friend had experience with her sibling having an asthma attack, and she knew exactly what to do in the first few minutes. She quickly got her daughter to the hospital while her husband stayed with the rest of the kids. But the next day she called me up and said, do you realize what a miracle it was that we couldn't go to the concert? What would have happened to our daughter if that young babysitter was at home instead of me? Would the babysitter have even realized what was happening? Would she have known what to do? What, would she have taken my kid to the hospital and left the other kids at home by themselves? this was a miracle it was a hidden miracle but there are times in our lives when we are also blessed with open miracles let me tell you a little story when i was pregnant with my youngest son when i was pregnant with my youngest son shimmy i experienced many such miracles i'm going to tell you what happened during the early weeks of pregnancy i went for an ultrasound to check that everything was okay because i was scheduled to fly to america the next day My ultrasound appointment was in between work meetings, so I was in my heels and my makeup and my work clothes, and I ran to the doctor in between, sure that everything would be fine and I would be in and out of his offices so fast that I would have plenty of time to get to my next meeting. But as soon as the doctor began the ultrasound, he turned to me and said, your abdomen is filled with blood. You need to go directly to the hospital right now now. Cancel all your meetings, cancel your flight tomorrow. There's no way that you're going to fly. And I would order you an ambulance, but I think it'll be even faster if you just drive. Now, can you imagine getting that news? Immediately, I got into my car, shaking with tears running down my face. I called my husband, who was already waiting at the hospital by the time I arrived, along with a team of doctors who were waiting for me. And after a number of tests, they admitted me to the hospital because there was a risk of internal bleeding. After several days of monitoring, the blood in my abdomen finally started to drain, but we were unable to hear the baby's heartbeat. The doctor told me the news that no expectant mother wants to hear. This isn't a viable pregnancy, he said, and I recommend ending it now so that you can already start trying again and we can clear your stomach of the blood inside. Let's just get you back to normal and then you can move on. I asked the doctor if my life was in danger, and he said that as long as I came in for the regular monitoring, they could take care of any problems that might arise. Then I told him, very confidently, that I wanted to wait. What happened next was up to God, and I was putting the decision of the future of this potential baby in God's very capable hands. Thank God, the blood in my abdomen continued to go down, and the very next week when we went in for an ultrasound, we heard the baby's heartbeat. It was a miracle. And the doctor looked at me and said, I did not think this would happen. This is a miracle, Yael. And I knew it. I felt it. I was on cloud nine for the next few weeks. But at 14 weeks, I went in for another ultrasound, a complete checkup. And a different doctor saw immediately that my baby had something called club foot. The doctor's eyes grew very serious, as he explained to us that this often indicates that there's a much larger health problem. He told us that the child might just have club foot, which is treatable, but he also might have spina bifida and other health problems that would mean he would live in horrible pain his entire life. Once again, the doctor advised that maybe we should consider ending the pregnancy, and Once again, we told her what we had told the doctor earlier, in the beginning of my pregnancy, that as long as my life wasn't in danger, we had to put the rest up to God. Well, my son Shimmy's pregnancy was definitely a time of prayer and believing in miracles. I promised God that if my son was born healthy, that I would tell everyone of his miracles During my pregnancy, I went to holy rabbis for their blessings and I made numerous trips to Jerusalem to pray at the Western Wall. I became so aware of how vulnerable the life of me and my child, and really my whole family, I became so aware of how the future of all of our lives was in God's hands. Because I had lit the first candle of faith by refusing to give up, and instead I put my hope and trust in God. He made that oil of hopefulness and faith last throughout my pregnancy. We were blessed. Shimmy was born seven years ago, yes, with a club foot. And the first eight months were, yes, very difficult. He had to wear painful braces that continuously needed to be adjusted. He was in full leg casts on his foot, and eventually he had to have surgery. But that was it. That was the only medical issue he had. Despite the worst fears of the doctors, my son was born a beautiful, healthy baby, and he continues today to be absolutely perfect to the point that no one even believes he was born with the problem with his foot. He runs, he jumps, he does gymnastics, he plays soccer, just like every other kid. But I never forgot what I went through. I never forgot the miracles that God did for me and my husband. And so every year on a Shabbat near his birthday, we throw a little party for our community or we tell the story to our friends and we talk about openly the miracles that God made for us. No one can ever believe that our shimmy, a current soccer star who's doing backflips and gymnastics, ever even had a club foot. And that in and of itself is a miracle. On Hanukkah, when God tells us to publicize his commandments, he's really commanding us to light the candles of faith for others. Hanukkah specifically has the commandments of publicizing the miracle and lighting candles because they are one and the same. In the middle of the winter, when the world seems at its darkest, when our lives seem to be facing our hardest challenges, we need to light the candle of faith and hope and of belief in God. We need to tell ourselves that there's no such thing as despair and to reach out to God for help because he always answers. We need to light those candles in ourselves and so we can light it outward in our brothers and sisters and all of those around us. In Isaiah 49.6, it says, Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept? I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Chanukah, my friends, is a time to celebrate God's open miracles, but it's also a time to acknowledge his everyday hidden miracles. Miracles are all around us if we only open up our eyes and let their light shine. But it's not just enough to light our own candles with the story of God's miracles. He commands us to pirsume nisa, to publicize these miracles to others. Through these stories of God's miracles, we can give strength and hope and faith to all of those around us. And that's what God wants us to do with the miracles that he performs for us. This is exactly what we need in today's times, when everyone is turning on the news or looking at social media and what they see are stories of crime and suffering and war and injustice. There's so much darkness, and it's on us. We need to light our candles, that first Shamish helper candle, and then to light others to make more light shine in the world by lighting the candles of those around us. This week, let's all think of a time when God has helped us or someone we know overcome insurmountable odds. Then share that story with others. Tell your friend the next time you talk to them on the phone or post about it on social media. If you send a holiday newsletter to your family and friends, remember to include the miracles that you were blessed with this year. By doing this, we encourage the light of others, we ignite hope, we let faith burn bright, and we kindle a stronger belief in God. All of us can publicize the miracles in our lives. All of us can be the Maccabees and bring more light into the world. Shavua Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. And remember to join us next week as I share with you how my family and I celebrate Hanukkah today. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.